Hi there. Welcome to Tech Talk Weekly. I'm Bob from Creation Station. Who's nicer to you? We're going to find out in a minute. Uh, but first, this is our weekly show where we talk about three or four interesting tech topics in the news, give you something cool about the library and send you on your way in about 20 minutes. Today, I have David Katz from the Tamarack Library. How are you doing, David? I am well, Bob. Thanks. How are you? I am doing really well. I, it feels like it's a good day. It's been a nice, peaceful day. Don't tell anybody, but I didn't have any meetings today. It was awesome. Uh, so I I'm feeling pretty decent. Feeling pretty good. decent. Uh, we've got a bunch. We've got only a couple of stories, but they're really meaty, deep things. I think today. So let's get right into this. Number one is. Maybe you heard about those FBI warnings and all those things about watch out if you're going to recharge your stuff on a public airport and watch out for those public wife chargers, et cetera, et cetera. And it's super scary and you're going to get hacked and you're going to lose everything. Um, no. <laughs> so <laughs> this is a really good article from Ars Technica this week explaining exactly why it's important to be careful, why you need to think about this, why you need to consider what are you doing, how are you doing it, but then who are they actually targeting, targeting and why? What do you think about this article here, David? Well, Bob, I wish I had seen this article about, oh, two weeks ago when I actually forwarded the article with the link from the FBI with the dire warning of juice jacking I forwarded that text in that article to my family, my wife and my son and my daughter, and freaked them out, freaked me out. We happened to be in an airport this past weekend, and we had a very long delay, and they all went to plug in their phones, and I said, we're going to get juice jacked. Do <laughs> not do that. We can't do that. So it would have been nice to see that uh, there's no really any recorded incidents. Yeah, exactly. And, and that's one of the things is this is definitely a real thing. Do not, you know, t uh, belittle this at all. It's just that it doesn't happen in the real world <laughs> because this is used for two, two basic things. One, to prove whether you can hack into a device or do something. I've got it up on the screen here. If you were on an iPhone, for example, um, or an Android phone, you plug in to that thing and immediately you're going to get a warning on your phone saying, hey, do you trust this computer you're plugging into? And since you're not plugging into a computer, you're going to say, no, I don't trust it. This is supposed to be a plug. So it's a really obvious thing. But the two people who really need to worry about this are if you are a hacker, because you're trying to figure out how you can find your way around the hardware and this and that, the other. But number two, if you're a state actor. So if you are someone who has a job where you should be worried about it, you know, you're the, you know, secretary of state. Let's hope that the state department is much better than we are about this stuff. Oh, just cross our fingers on that. Or if you're in a company, you're a security company, or you do some kind of thing for a living where other people are really paying attention to you, you know, you're a high profile target, then yeah, you start worrying about these things. But David, I, I just don't think anybody cares about me that much. No, and I don't think anybody cared about me or my family, but I made them sprawl out on the floor 
and use their power plugs in a device and an outlet I thought, you know, might not be getting hacked. Yeah. And they were not, not too happy with me, but uh, we didn't get hacked. That's a very good thing. That's a very good thing. We don't, we don't want to see anybody get hacked. Um, and yeah, part of that is that that whole idea is how does it actually work? And some of this, I, I kind of call it, it's more like a magic trick. It's more like a circus act type of thing because a picture that airport to make this work, you've got to be in the airport, disassemble the char the public charger, put in your own extra new little device inside of it, rewire it to fit that device, reconnect everything, mount it back on the wall with no one noticing you at all. <laughs> and then you're gonna have just random people walking up and plugging in their phones and they're all going to get this message and they're going to 99% of them say, no, no, I don't trust this plug. <laughs> Not and, yeah. So what, what actually are you going to get? Who's, who are you stealing data from, et cetera? So it's kind of funny that way for me. Um, and I think really what happened this time and why you got swept up in it, David, was three or four agencies put out the same warning within three or four days of each other. Unlike most times where one of these warnings comes out from one agency and then a few months later it comes out from a different agency and they just, you know, sending out their things to their employees. Remember to be careful of this and be careful of that. And it's that kind of thing. That's exactly right, Bob. That's exactly what happened to me. I got that and I forwarded it on and I got frantic. Yeah, but that's okay. Needlessly. Yeah, I, I think I think that the biggest threat with it is more that we wear people out. It's kind of like the hurricane thing that we do in South Florida. You know, you get so just used to the idea. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're it's a hurricane. Yeah, yeah. Who cares? And you don't think about, hey, no, we still have to be prepared no matter what. So, and for those of you who are not in a hurricane area zone, yeah, trust me, down here, we kind of get used to these things. You're like, well, what kind of hurricane is this coming? Uh, do I really need to? Everyone down here in South Florida, take it seriously. June 1st, hurricane season starts. Get your kit together now. And my kit has got some champagne in it. Oh, Maybe not. Good. I probably have. I'm, now, I'm, now that I said that out loud, I'm like, wait a minute. Do I really have champagne for my kit? I know I have wine, but I don't know if I have champagne for it. Um, this is our weirdly obsessive thing on bubbles. Um. How much do you pay attention to bubbles, David? Well, I think on a subconscious level, I, I've actually noticed when I pour a glass of champagne that there's something very pretty about the bubbles. And maybe I knew something without realizing it uh, because according to the article, they come up in a straight line as yeah. opposed to willy-nilly. Yeah, and I think that that's – this is – real and. I know if you're out there thinking, wait a minute, Bob, you've talked about bubbles before. Yeah. In fact, it was just a few a couple months ago, our uh, episode 115, where we did a whole we did a whole story on someone's scientific uh, paper on Leonardo da Vinci's sketches about bubbles and why they did not go straight up. Now we have a new article up doing fluid dynamics on why champagne bubbles go straight up. And it's all about carbonation and it's all about how they form and some of the different uh, surface tension about these bubbles that's different. It has nothing to do with a special glass. You get these bubbles no matter what kind of glass you put them in or any of those sorts of stuff. Uh, let me see if I can find, here you go. This is a great, 
um, image here of those are all the different types of bubbles that you get out of champagne as they go up. But there's something buried in this article. Did you notice it, David, at the very end of this article? Yeah. I about what this study could be for? Yeah, that was wild. About the curtain so, of bubbles. Yeah. Was that uh -huh. what you were referring to? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Tell me, tell me. Oh, so uh, somebody apparently that was doing a study, one of the physicists, it seems, ran into somebody that was worked for a company that created curtains of bubbles around underwater construction projects so mm -hmm. it wouldn't affect the the ocean life down there. That's yeah. what it sounded like. Yeah, exactly. And so they now, uh, they're called suffocant-like molecules is what happens. Uh, you add those um, to your uh, liquid, to your viscous substance, I think is the official term, but I'm not sure, um, that helps the bubbles stay in a form. And you're right. They, they were talking about using these to protect uh, undersea turbines or the bases of the big wind turbines and things like that, because you can use these to actually draw out um, some of the uh, chaos around the waves. And it's weird how adding the bubbles stops the waves from interfering with things and protects the sea life from things from getting out. And it was just like, huh, maybe we all need to drink more champagne and learn some things. <laughs> I was like, wow, this is just, you, you never knew you could find so much out about bubbles until you start researching them. And then you, they, your search algorithms all of a sudden give a little tweak and bing, here comes these things in. That's wild stuff. But the big story this week, because you can't get around the news anywhere, anytime without AI and ChatGBT lately, it feels like. I managed to do one full show with no AI talk. Um, so that they've done a pilot program with, uh, finding out if AI will be able to quote unquote, replace doctors, spoiler, no, <laughs> but, um, it does some really fun, interesting things. What did you think about this one, David? Oh, I thought it was great because I saw that they did that study comparing uh, the AI-generated responses to the online questions from patients to a Reddit forum where they were they were validated as actual doctor responses, and they found that the AI-generated was ten times more empathetic in their responses yeah. than the actual MDs, which I thought was pretty funny. Yeah, it is really, really interesting on that. So they took uh, questions that doctors had already answered in public. Then they did or ran those same questions through the chat GBT to get the those answers. Then they mixed up the various answers and had a different panel judge the accuracy, the content, the empathy quotient and all that stuff to it. And yeah, I thought that was really, really interesting that 78.6% the evaluators thought were better than the physician ones. So it's not necessarily that they were able to fully replace, but they were able to handle 
all of the generic interactions for the cust the customer, ha, the patient, and do those sorts of things back and forth. And I'm looking for it now. And as always, in you know, we've got your show notes there with all the links, and we've got the link to the to this actual study that I've got up there on the form for you. I am looking to see exactly what what was my number. Uh, the physician responses were significantly shorter um, by uh, over twenty five percent. For, from the physician ones, which indicates that doctors are really stressed out. They're trying to do too much. You know, just like every industry, it feels like nowadays, you, you don't have enough people, you don't have enough stuff going on. What do you, th David, would you be comfortable just asking away for a chatbot to, hey, take a look at this rash for me? You know, it uh, didn't sound like it did too bad of a job. I mean, uh Sounded pretty decent. I might run it by a chatbot first. <laughs> yeah. If there's some oversight from the human uh, MD, that would be nice. But uh, Yeah, and I, th I think that's kind of the key thing is who – It just like so much of this, it's easy to get caught up on the hype train because, oh, my God, it's going to replace all these jobs. No, it's going to help all those jobs. Just like computers didn't really replace very many people, but it helped us all do a heck of a lot more. Right whether we like it or not sometimes. Um, and or this is going to be something that the doctor is going to be like, here, here's a here's a printout. They're going to skim down it. They're going to say, okay, here are the, the different things and hand it off and do. Um, my wife is a doctor and she has used this um, not on any real patient data because of HIPAA concerns, but um, she finds that most of the uh, interactions are spot on. Really, or medications and things, because right. it's been trained on all that publicly available data, and so it knows all those websites that all those drug companies put out, and here's all those little that they put at the end of their ads, um, and all the stuff that you have to go to their website to read all the interactions. That's all built into these chats. Wow, that's impressive. So yeah, it's good. I mean, it's not perfect, nowhere near perfect, and I, I don't know that I would trust it. Uh huh. Not Only yet. because I know enough about how they make things, how they make these ones. Um, <sighs> I, I I don't know. I don't know. How do you feel about the the whole idea of AI here, especially in our job? Everybody well, said Google said, was going to put librarians out of the business. Right. No, I don't think yet. Um, yeah. I think it enhances and helps and uh, you know makes everything a little bit better, maybe a little bit easier. Um, have I you had a chance it. to play around with OpenAI with the chatbots? I have. It's it's pretty neat. What and, kind of stuff have you put in? Actually, some letters I put in, a um, couple of couple of emails, and it's uh, it's done a pretty good job. Good, yeah, and that's that's exactly the kind of thing. If if you can get in, enter something that's controllable, that's not going to be. You know, giving away professional secrets. That's a big right. thing right now. I see a lot of news stories about, oh, this company, you know, somebody put in all the interview questions to see what would happen. It's like, well, now you just made your interview questions public for everyone right. to see. So, People are still learning the parameters, I would imagine. That'll yeah, yeah. Quite a while. If you're going to go interview at a company, you can go ask it, what are some likely questions I will be asked? And it will tell you. <laughs> 
it's the yeah. process a little easier. Yeah. Hopefully uh, you'll be able to do these sorts of things. Um, I do have two things I want to talk about with the library really quick because you guys out at Tamarack, Oh, you know what? I need to throw you throw that back up on the screen for you there. Over the next couple of weeks, you have a couple of English cafe classes coming up, and you have done a really good job out there with your English literacy classes. Oh, yeah. They're very popular. Um, people need to register for the online version. Uh, our librarian, Pat, does a terrific job there. And Scott and Joe do great jobs with the, the Oasis computer classes. And uh, luckily, they're not registration not required, but they, they do fill up. So, um, but yeah, those are great classes that we offer. Yeah. Tamarack's a very busy place. If you have not been out to that library, the community center and the school and everything makes it fill up right away in the afternoons. But it's it's a very pretty library out there that you guys it have. It is. Come visit us. Definitely. And I did, there's one other quick thing I wanted to highlight was we are now in May, but we ended up April, uh, which is Citizen Science Month. Uh, and you probably heard me go on the last couple episodes about various things we were doing. We did end the month with unveiling the at Creation Station Science out at uh, North Lauderdale Library uh, four new um, citizen science kits, uh, exploring, exploring biodiversity, mapping mosquitoes, observing pollinators, and measuring light in the night. Um, and each of these kits is something where you can check out, take home, and they contain real citizen science parts to them. For example, the measuring the light in the night comes with a real light meter. So you can go out, you can check what your light pollution is in your area, report that back to NASA. They use that to give cities information about turtle nesting or anything like that, or just generic light pollution for everything else going on. Mosquitoes. You know, do everyone a favor. Go check out a mosquito kit. There's only nine left right now. I, I looked at this when I brought this up just before the show. Only nine of them are still there out of 20-something because wow. um, they're getting checked out fast. So call up the branch and you can check them out, put them on hold. But, yeah, the mosquitoes is really great, especially for here in South Florida. You can track oh, yeah. where the where all the mosquitoes are hatching and everything. Send that into the National Weather Service. They can track that. That's how that information gets onto those maps. If someone's out there checking and finding out where all these things are coming up and popping. So uh, please go take advantage of some of these things that we've got out there for you at the library and help everybody else and have some fun. I, I, I really have some fun with those. We've got birding backpacks also. It's at a handful of libraries to uh, go out and do some uh, bird watching if you like. So rounding out our collection pretty well though. Sounds like it. Thank you very much, Sir David, for being here today. Thanks for having me, Bob. Oh, it's always fun. I know, it just flies right on by. Um, if there is a library or librarian you'd like to see featured on the show, reach out, Creation Station at Broward.org. comes right to me. We'll see everybody next week. Have a great show, everybody. <laughs>